Hey, really quick, I did this in the first service. I embarrassed Alex. So Alex, come here, wave on your moment right now. Just wave really quick. It's awesome. And um, hey, one of the reasons I, one of the reasons I wanted you guys to, to see Alex one more time, she comes up here a lot, is uh, and something I'm really excited about with our student ministry. Our student ministry uh, just uh, really believes that students are not the church of the future. They're the church right now. Right? So there's a huge difference. Oh, you can be a leader later on. We don't believe that. We believe you can lead and serve and do whatever God wants you to do right now. You ain't got to wait. And so, uh, man, Asina and West, God just used them in an unbelievable way, and they just really poured into Alex. And uh, Alex is the middle school leader. And so just raising her up and investing her, Alex is, uh, they put some stuff out on Facebook and social media about it, but she plans it, organizes it, just puts a lot of work in. And so Alex is our middle school leader here at Sunday. It's just an awesome thing. So I want to give it up for her, man. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, hey, let's, uh, let's pray and let's dive in to some stuff this morning, okay? Let's pray. Father, we, we just thank you. that uh, God, your, your spirit is here. God, your presence is here. And God, I, just, I thank you for, for the opportunity to slow down and to experience it. Just to experience your presence and just, and just to, like John said, to be with you, God. I mean, here we are, school has started back for some, it starts back for others this week, and life gets busy, and maybe for some people here, it, it just seems like it never stopped, like there was no summer rest or anything like that, and, and it is easy to just run through life, it's easy to run through church and miss you. And so God, we, we just want to pause right now and, and pray that Jesus, you would just remove, you would remove any distraction that might be in our heart that would be in the way right now. In fact, why don't you, why don't you pray that right now? Jesus said that one of the reasons uh, that, that we miss him, that the word doesn't really affect us, is because we're distracted. Would you just right now take a second and just pray, God, if I'm distracted, would you remove that? It's whatever that is. It might be, it might be our phone. It might be something happened this week coming up. God, if I'm distracted, if I'm distracted even preaching this, God, if I'm distracted, whatever that is, would you just take that away right now? Would you remove that? And remove what's ever going on in our hearts. God, in, in, in our hearts, just things constantly can be moving and happening. And so God, just remove that. Have your way. Speak. We love you. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in for the past several weeks called I Love Hazard. It's been an awesome series to go out. We've done uh, several surf projects. We've talked about being citizens of the kingdom. And today we are wrapping that up. I want to wrap it up this way. Uh, I graduated from a college in Louisville called Boyce Bible College. The thing about that college is uh, it exclusively trained pastors, leaders, and pastors, and youth pastors, worship leaders, things like that. And, uh, and then after that, after graduation, I went on to the Southern Baptist Theological seminary right there at Boyce and did some things uh, there. Elaine and I were married. We lived right there on that campus and it was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great time. People ask me every once in a while, what is seminary like? And I think people ask that because they think that seminary is like, you know, a bunch of like really holy people sitting in the dark, candles are lit and we all chant all day. And, uh, and sometimes I tell people, you know what seminary is like? Seminary was weird because weirdos were there. And, uh, and, and I think what would happen is a lot of times churches would just gather their weird and say, go to Bible college. And, uh, and so what happens is seminary, Bible college, it became a subculture. 
And you know what that is? You know what a subculture is? A subculture is a world within a world. You know, like, like it's a world within a world. It's like there's people who love Star Wars, and then there are people who are wrong. And, you know, and so that's, that's what I mean by when I say subculture. And, and it was just a subculture. You know, at seminary, they talked about things that people, normal people, usually weren't talking about, just big theological concepts, ideas. And, and seminary had its own language, had its own way to operate. It was, it was different than the way that, that the world normally worked. Uh, did you know that church can be like that? Churches can be that way. Churches can be subcultures, can't they? Right? Let's just be honest. Churches can be weird. Hello? Can we talk this way this morning? And listen, don't think, oh, well, I'm glad we're not weird. Bro, we're weird. Right? I'm talking big C church. Churches can be weird. Try to put yourself in the shoes of somebody that does not go to church. They're not familiar with this language. They walk into church, everybody's calling each other brother and sister. Talking about being washed in the blood of the Lamb? What? Are you taught? Right? They have no concept of this at all. I remember when, the, uh, when we were about a year and a half old. We were at the forum. I don't even, we were, it might have been less than a year and a half old. Definitely weren't older than that as a church just a few years ago. We had a service and we had baptisms in the service. If you're there at the forum, we did baptisms right there on the stage. And, and right after church uh, one day we did baptisms, this girl came up to us. Uh, this girl came up to me, rather. She was in her mid-20s. She had never been to church before. Grew up in this area. Had never been to church a day in her life until she came to Summit Church. It was all new to her. She had no church background at all. She saw that baptism, and I promise you, she came up to me, and she said, hey, uh, when you put that person underwater and brought them up again, why did you do that? I'd never seen that before. And I, I said, oh you, mean, oh, you mean the baptism? You mean baptism? She said, yeah, what's baptism? I've never heard about that, but I've never heard of that. I've never seen that before. Here's what happens. A lot of you are like, really? I can't believe that, that that's even possible around here. And the reason that we think that's not possible is because we live in a subculture, a world within a world, right? Where we are the minority, let me remind us, right? Amen? We are the minority. Churches can be weird. Christians can be weird. And a lot of times we're weird about the wrong things. Right? But if you're here and you're thinking, well, listen, man, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be one of those weirdos. I don't want to be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs loving Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Listen, if you are a Christian, you believe that people come back from the dead. Weird. Hello? Right? So you, you can't escape that, bro. Like, you are just weird. If you look up the word weird, it means to stand out. It means that there are some peculiar things about you. And a lot of us spend our whole lives not trying not to be weird, trying not to stand out. I think that over the next couple of minutes, though, what we're going to see is that Jesus would tell us to embrace being weird. That, that Jesus would actually tell us to embrace standing out. We're going to see that from a really familiar passage of Scripture. If you have, uh, just acknowledge the subculture again, if you have no church background, you've never been to church, this is all brand new for you. If you have a church background, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. This is an extremely familiar passage of, of Scripture if you've got a church background. If you don't have a Bible at all, we always put the words on the screen. Matthew 5, 13, we're going to read down through verse 16. It says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Notice two times, verse 13, verse 14. Both of those verses start with the same word. What's that word? You tell me. You. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Who's the you? We are. Listen to me. If you check yes to the Christian box, you are salt. If you check yes to the Christian box, you are the light of the world. And, 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 and if you're like me, if you do have a church background, you know, I'm a preacher and they kind of live in this world. I've heard a lot of sermons about what it means to be salt and light. If you go to church a little while, you've probably heard a lot of sermons about what it means to be salt and light. And we can, we can talk about, I've heard all kinds of people talk about, you know, we can talk about the characteristics of salt. We can talk about what light is. I remember I heard a sermon one time and the preacher talked about uh, how Christians should be salty. And I have no idea what that is, but it sounds gross. And um, here, here's what Jesus means. Here's what Jesus means. Salt and light are not two different things. They're the same thing. And Jesus is talking about the same thing, just coming at it from different angles. And here's what Jesus means. When Jesus says that you and I are the salt of the earth, the light of the world, what he means is that you and I, we as followers of Jesus, Christians should be different. It's all that he says. It's all that he means. Christians should be different than the world. And so I just want to take a moment and ask us as a church, listen, if you are here for the first time today, man, praise God that you're here. We have a free gift for you. If you're a returning guest, we have a free gift for you. I'm so excited that you're here today visiting. Maybe you've been coming for a while, kicking the tires, checking this church out. I'm so excited that you're here today. But today is a family talk, all right? You ever had a family talk, right? Hey, hey, let's all gather around the table. Everybody come to the living room. We're going to have a family meeting. We're going to have a family talk. Summit, I didn't tell you before you came, we're going to have a family talk today. I want to take a minute and ask, are we different than the world? See, if you're hungry and you say, hey, you know what? This needs some salt. You put salt on it, it tastes what? Different. Good, yeah, amen, praise God. <laughs> so he's like, that was awesome. <laughs> It tastes different too, doesn't it, right? Hey, you go into a dark room and it's really dark, you can't see, turn the lights on, what happens? That room is what? Different. That room changes. Christians are to be different than the world. And listen, when we talk about being different than the world, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we're all of a sudden legalistic and we're having all kinds of rules or things like that. And listen, can I be honest? That just shows that some of us automatically go there. When we talk about obedience, which is what we're talking about today, obedience never goes viral. Hello? You tweet obedience, nobody retweets that. Nobody likes obedience on Facebook, right? What's your status? Obedient. Nobody likes that. So when we, we talk about being obedient to Jesus, we talk about being holy. Listen, we're not saying we're perfect or legalistic and introducing a bunch of rules, but just to show how far we've gone, the moment that you introduce talking about obedience in church, that's where a lot of people go. Well, hey man, nobody's perfect. Well, hey, man, let's not get legalistic and bring up a bunch of rules. I went to church one time where they did that. Yeah, 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 churches are guilty to have made, rule, made up rules. We're not in Scripture. But listen, if Jesus is alive in you, you will be different. Amen? 
If Jesus is really alive in a summit, we're going to be different people. I don't mean different like you're a conservative and you, conservative and you feel like the liberals are taking over and you're trying to take your country back and, and we're different and, and you know our conservative beliefs make us different. The kind of different that Jesus makes you transcends political party. I'm not talking about being right, left, conservative, liberal, progressive. If Jesus is in you, you will be different. And so the question is, are we? I got saved in April of 1996, and when in the 90s, I remember my youth pastor was really pushing to know Jesus means you don't cuss and you don't have sex before marriage, all right? So just to back that up, if you're here today, you're a Christian, and uh, you're dropping the F-bomb, stop it, okay? Right? Hello? Amen? Praise God. Let's take an offering, okay? Stop it, all right? You hear that? Oh, well, you know what? I don't cuss. Well, okay, that's great. What about gossip? Ha, the 9.30 got just as quiet as this one did. Um, I just wanted to see what would happen. I just wanted to see if anybody would like raise a banner, pull out a tambourine, I don't know. And, uh, but yeah, what about gossip, right? You know what gossip is, don't you? We all know what gossip is. Gossip is when you say something about someone. It might be true, it might be false, but instead of saying it to them and going to them in love, I'm saying it about them to other people. That's gossip and that's a sin, I know it's a national pastime, right up there with baseball and apple pie, but it's a sin, right? Some Christians get really good at this, and they call it prayer requests, <laughs> or sharing their heart, right? I think you're laughing because you've been there, right? Have you been in those meetings, right? I don't know who's running this, the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of the devil, I don't know, Right? That's what happens a lot of times. Slander, accusation, hello, 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 assumption. I've never talked to you. I heard what other people are saying about you. I assume you're like that based on gossip. Is Jesus changing the way that we talk? Hello? I mean, let's just go to sex. We live in a hookup culture where it's nothing to hook up, send a picture send text messages and we're trying to hide it from our spouse, hide it from people that we love? I mean, is Jesus making us pure? Hello? Come on, hello, anybody? You, we gotta talk this way. We gotta, if, if Jesus is in me, listen, fellas, 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 what do you think about when you look at a woman? Can Jesus change the way that I think? Can he rewire my brain? We did a series about this about three or four uh, series ago. Soundtrack, change your life, ch change your thoughts rather, change your life. Can Jesus do that? Listen, Jesus should make us different. What about money? What about the way we use our money? It's already tense in the room. Let's just keep going. Let's just keep digging. Right? I love my job. What about money? Will Jesus change the way you use your money? Hello? Right? Does Jesus change the way we use our money so that as we follow him, we become more generous? Or are we just like every other person? We get up early on Sunday, sing about God, but material things make me happy. New clothes, new TVs, new fill-in-the-blank, that's what really makes me happy. Will Jesus change that? Hello? I read, I read some research. This is true. They did a, they did a survey of Christians, all, uh, Christians in America who go to church, just gauging the generosity of Christians who go to church. And from that survey, this is actually true, Christians gave more and were more generous during the Great Depression than they are today. 
Let's say that again. Christians gave more and were more generous during the Great Depression than they are today. On average, on average in, in most churches, between 10 to 25% of people tithe. If that's a new word for you, tithing means that God calls us to obedience and to, and to give, a, to give a, back a portion of what he's given to us. The first 10%, we're to try to give that back to God, okay? So let's just talk about tithing, not even giving. We'll talk about that in just a second. On the national average in churches, between 10 to 25% of people tithe. What would happen if 100% of the church in North America tithed what would happen somebody said it would solve world, the world problems actually let me show it to you if all of the church today all over america began to tithe i've used this before bring it up again 25 billion dollars of that money could relieve global hunger starvation and deaths from from preventable disease five years 12 billion of that could eliminate illiteracy five years 15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues specifically at places uh, in the world where one billion people live on less than one dollar a day one billion could fully fund overseas mission work 100 to 110 billion dollars would still be left over for an additional ministry expansion family talk as best as we can tell between uh, as best as we can tell in this church about 25 percent of people give now, when I say give, what I mean is this. That means anything from a dollar to maybe a couple of hundred dollars. So, so 25% maybe of our church, we believe, gives on a consistent, regular basis. Again, a dollar to maybe a couple hundred. Just I'm trying to give you, the, give you the range. And I say this a lot, but maybe sometimes you miss it. I want you to know what people give makes possible every single thing this church does in any way, shape, or form. Right? So what, Mark, what's that mean? The lights are on because people gave, we could pay that bill. Amen? amen? Yes, amen, yes, right? This is the best sermon you've ever heard, I can tell. Um, uh, what you give, what you, the, the staff that our church has, the salary, based on, it comes from what's given here. The ministries that we do as a church comes from what's given here. There are no outside organizations sponsoring this church, None. We don't, uh, we don't get money uh, from, uh, from uh, the Southern Baptist Convention helps start our church. The Southern Baptist Convention doesn't give us any money. Uh, we, don't, uh, we don't meet together on Monday mornings out back and pray and money mysteriously falls from the sky or anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. No one outside gives money to this church whatsoever. People ask sometimes, why don't we do this? 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 Sometimes I have to tell people we don't have the resources. Uh, so... so Best as we can tell, 25% of our church gives. I'll just tell you, my heart and one of the goals that I have is by the end of the year, we would see giving get to 30%. Why? Why would I make that a go? Why am I spending time on this? Here's why. Because Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? Listen, this church is full of stories of people who said, you know what, I don't know if right now giving is the best time. I'm going to try it anyway. And then God showed up. Listen, giving is a journey, not a destination. I can't do 10%. What if you just started where you are? What if you just said, you know, the prophet Malachi, the prophet Malachi, last book of the Old Testament, said, God says through him, try me in this and see if I will not open up the windows and pour blessing on your life if you will bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse, modern day equivalent, is the church. So what if you tried that? Because listen, 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 listen. If you give, God will bless you. Amen. And listen, 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 wait, 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 wait. Some of you are like, and I love you people, I'm so glad you're here and I make fun of you on social media. Some of you are like this, well that just sounds like prosperity theology where you're saying if I give, God will make you rich. You are awesome. 
And that is not what I'm, listen, that is not what I'm saying at all. I'm not doing this drenched in gold and my family goes home on the private jet parked out back today. That's not happening. But God says, try this and watch. I will bless you. And we saw two weeks ago from the Beatitude, Jesus must know things about being blessed that you and I don't know. He said, it's blessed if I'm persecuted. Blessed are the poor in spirit. But man, God can bless you if we'll step out and trust him there. But will Jesus change the way we spend our money? Is Jesus making, us, is Jesus making my marriage different? Somebody upsets me, makes me mad, hurts me. Is Jesus changing the way that I respond? Or do I build up walls, get bitter, and look at him and say, you're dead to me? (laughs) To the glory of the Lord. Right. Weird. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. We're supposed to be different. Amen? We say all the time in this church, I want to get real, we say all the time in this church, nobody's perfect. We have worked very hard over the past six, week, six years, seven years, actually. We've worked very hard over the past seven years intentionally to build a culture of grace in this church where we could tell people, no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, you are loved by God. There is a place for you in this church. If you come to God, God will radically change your life. But look, look at me. If I come to you and I tell you, hey, nobody's perfect, that is not the gospel. Do you hear me? That is, that's a part of it. It's not the whole thing. It's not the whole thing. If, if you are broken and hurting and in need of hope, and I come to you and say, man, everybody's broken. Nobody is perfect. I have, I have not given you any hope. That's a part of the gospel. But listen to me. The best part of the gospel is that Jesus died for sin and he is alive. Amen? That's the best part. And what that means... What grace means is that if I go to Jesus and acknowledge my sin, confess it, say, God, this is sin. You do not want this to be a part of my life. God will forgive us for that sin. There is always grace available. But listen, listen, there is no form of grace where we can say that God just lets us live however we want, lets bygones be bygones, shove it all underneath the rug, and I never have to change. Nobody ever met Jesus and stayed the same. Nobody. And I and we are no exception. The church will never make a difference if we are like the world. Never. And so what, God, what Jesus says is we're salt and we're light. I, want, I put you there to, to make a difference. And one of the things you've got to realize if you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. So Summit, are we Are we different? No, again, not perfect. And we don't have it all together. We're all, we all struggle but are we? Are we salt and light? Are we different? What would it look like if we tried to be? What would it look like, this I love hazard, this thing that we've been talking about, being citizens of another kingdom? What would it look like, hey, we're going to be salt, we're going to be light? What would it look like? I think there's two things that really stand out, two things I want us to see really quickly if we're going to do this. Um, First thing, it looks like you and I taking responsibility for our spiritual growth. You and I taking responsibility for our spiritual growth. Listen, look at me. Let's be honest. I can't change anybody. Hello? They ain't a pastor alive can change anybody. I can't change anybody. That is Jesus' job through the Holy Spirit. But when I give my life to Jesus, I become a spiritual baby, and he wants us to grow up. 2 Peter 2.2 says, grow up in your salvation. 
So, so we need to own, we need to take responsibility for our own spiritual growth. You say, Mark, help me understand what that means. Let me give you a couple of questions. You can kind of test yourself, test your heart uh, through this as we're trying to figure this out. Watch this. Here's a question. Do you have a regular rhythm of being with Jesus? A regular rhythm of being with Jesus in prayer, in his word. You're trying to be in the presence of God, not just on Sundays, but, but regularly throughout the week. Are you trying to build a regular rhythm of being in the presence of God? This is one of the reasons why we really try to go out of our way to give you resources to do this. This is why we try to put devotions in our app every day. This is why uh, we make things like Right Now Media available to you. This is why at the welcome table and every single Sunday there's free Bibles, free devotional plans. We try to go out of our way to make it easy. Mark, I want to grow, but I'm not sure I know how. We want to give you the resources all free. We can help you right after church get started if you want to know how. This Wednesday night... This Wednesday night at 6.30, we're going to begin a fall Bible study. Our midweek service is coming back, and we're going to do a Wednesday night Bible study this fall. It's going to be at 6.30, starting this Wednesday, through something that has made a profound impact on my life called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And then next week, we're going to start a series called Replenish, and it's going to kind of go along with it. And the reason we're really focused and going to try to drill down on this is because I'm just convinced that a lot of us are not healthy at the soul level. And so we're going to try to begin to work on that. 6.30, come. Well, Mark, school starts that day. And Mark, I'm busy. And Mark, what about this? What about this? I believe God will bless you if you come. I just believe that. Ladies, Thursday nights at 6, Divine Women Ministry. Megan is leading a group right now. They're going through Ephesians, and that's totally free. Ladies, you can come to that. Fellas, if you come, I mean, they might not kick you out. They might kick you out. I don't know. I don't know. All right? But take responsibility, ownership for your own spiritual growth. Am I having a regular rhythm of being with Jesus? Are you dealing with sin in your life? Taking responsibility for my own spiritual growth means that I call sin in me sin. Hello? When I see it, when I see anything off the mark, doesn't line up with who Jesus is in me, I'm gonna confess it. I'm gonna own up to it. And you know what? I might have grown up with I might have grown up that way. My parents, my family might have even affirmed that that behavior in my life. But if Jesus says it's sin, Summit, it's sin. Amen. I don't confess and repent of my sin one time when I get saved, never do it again. Man, I need to do it regularly, daily. Here's one. Next one. Are you growing in generosity? You're growing in generosity. Maybe you struggle with being consistent there. That's why we've set up, you can give consistently. You can set up online consistent giving where it automatically comes out of your account through our app or at summithazard.com. Why do we do that? Just to try to help make it consistent. Last one, are you an active member, uh, an active part of the church? Are you an active part of the church. Hey, listen, apart from being sick or out of town, we're going to be there. Church isn't an option for our family. It's something we, I need. We need. Our soul needs it. We need to be a part of church. My kids need to be a part of Summit Kids. My students need to be a part of the student ministry. Are you an active part of the church? Serving, using your gifts, and, and, and taking that step of generosity. I'm not watching from the sidelines. I'm going to put a jersey on and get in the game. So salt and light means, one, all of us taking ownership responsibility for our own spiritual growth. Last thing, we'll camp out the rest of the time on this one. Being salt and light means you and I, this church, being a church for Hazard and Eastern Kentucky and the entire world. Means you and I, this church, being a church for Hazard, for Eastern Kentucky, for the whole world. Here's our choices. We can complain about the way the world is, or in Jesus' name, we can stand up and do something about it. Amen? All right? You can hope all day long the president fixes it. You can hope all day long your political party 
fixes it. You can hope all day long the media starts reporting on the stuff that you're seeing. But what if we're supposed to be salt and we're supposed to be light and in Jesus' name we're supposed to stand up and do something? We can complain about it. We can do something about it. Listen, do you realize that this church has everything it needs to change the world right now this very moment? Do you realize that? Do you realize that? Peter and John are walking through the book of Acts. They walk by a paralyzed man. The paralyzed man asks, asks for money. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And that man gets up and walks, and the church changes the world. Normal, everyday men and women, filled and surrendered with the Holy Spirit, change the world. Summit, it ain't changed. That's how we change the world. As you and I surrender more of our lives to God, God takes more of us and he does more in us and he does more through us. And so what this looks like is that wherever there is darkness, the church needs to be there. Wherever there's darkness, the church needs to be there. Now here's the great news. The great news is that God's already done this. Great news is God's already done this. We don't have to start some kind of new program. We don't have to start some kind of new initiative. God's already done this. Why? Because who's the church? Oh, oh, we are, <laughs> we are, we are the church, right? And listen, in a few minutes, the church, the church doesn't end, church scatters, because we're going to leave the building, amen? Because we're the church. The church is going to scatter in a few minutes. We're going to go to restaurants, and if they get our order wrong, we're not going to cuss them out in Jesus' name. We're going to bless them in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God, just love you, right? Amen, right? So what we're going to do? Right? We're going to go out into the world. Look at me. Wherever God has you right now, your work, your season of life, your current position, you have been placed there by God to be on mission. Wherever you're at right now, God's put you there with a purpose for a purpose. And that purpose is to bring the kingdom wherever you're at. Listen, school started back this past week for some of you. For the rest, starts this week. Every teacher, doesn't matter what grade or what you teach, every teacher is bringing the kingdom of God into the world. Amen? Teaching is a ministry. Listen, ministry is not just something pastors do or something like that. All of us are called to ministry, and all of our ministries look different. But as teachers invest and pour into and love students and the next generation, they are, remember the first week of this series when God told Israel to make Babylon a better place to live. They are investing in this community. They're making it better, and they're bringing the kingdom. Man, if you're here today and you're a leader, it's an election year. If you're a, lead, if you're a leader in this city or you're running for something, listen, God has put you in a position to not use your leadership and influence for your own personal gain, but for the growth of the kingdom. Not for your own platform, but to lift up Jesus and to say, you know what? While I'm here in this leadership position, I'm going to make Hazard better. I'm going to make this city better. Every student, when you go to school, man, you're there to bring the kingdom. No matter where you work, live, and play, all of us, God's put us there to bring the kingdom of God. And all it takes is for you and I living lives where we are open and available to say, God, however you want to use me, use me. We want to see the city change spiritually. We want to see the culture change. We want to see the economy change. We want to see the kingdom of God come in every way, shape, or form. And I just love what God is doing and how God is applying this in a lot of people's lives. I'll give you an example. Daniel Teese, who comes to Summit here. A lot of you know Daniel. He usually comes to our 930 service. Daniel and I were having a conversation a couple of months ago about how for so long the church has waited for everybody to come to us, but Jesus went to people, and what if we started to be like that and right there we're in neighborhoods and subdivisions where people live what if we tried to start some things as a church and intentionally try to reach people and Daniel lives in Phoenix Place 
And he just started rattling off all kinds of people come to Summit, live in Phoenix Place. And he said, what if, Mark, I opened up my house we started having Bible studies, and we started to do some things, and we tried to reach the people that live in Phoenix Place. And a lot of you do. I'm looking at some of you. Daniel's going to have something at his house. He's going to be coming to you, and we're going to try to reach that place in Jesus' name. Some of you live in neighborhoods. Some of you live in apartment complexes. Listen, if you would be willing to open up your home in your neighborhood and do something like that, I would love to have a conversation with you, and let's see if we can reach your neighborhood for Jesus Christ. One of the things God started to do at the end of last year, last school year in our student ministry, and I was there that night. It was awesome to watch how God just kind of took the conversation and ran with it. Is is God just really gave a lot of students a vision to start Bible clubs on their school campuses to try to reach their friends. Alex and Brady and a couple of others, they started that last year at Perry Central, and it was the last couple of weeks of school. But by the time school was over, they had like over 20 single kids, 20 kids every single time right there in schools. And here's what Christians say all the time. Well, they won't let us into schools no more. I think the church is going there this Wednesday. Amen? I think the church is going there Wednesday. I think the church went there when school started this past week. Hello? The church, I want to challenge every student. I want to challenge every student. I don't care where you go to school. Start a club like that in your school. To try to reach your school for Jesus. Mark, how do I do that? Come to students, you'll find out. Come to students and find out. Parents, if your, kid, if your students can't drive, bring them. Students, if you can't drive and your parents won't bring you, steal your car, come tonight. <laughs> Hot wire that thing and drive it like you stole it, all right? You do what you got to do to get here. That was horrible advice. Do not do that. Do, some of you are like, write that down, write that down, write that down. Do not do that. But you need to come. You need to come. One of the things that God, uh, one of the things that God has given our church a passion for and you see it every single time students and kids do anything as our church just really rises up. And I know Hazard City Schools has, probably has the same kind of thing. Um, but the Perry County Schools came to some churches last year and said, uh, and t- they talked about how um, they have what's called the backpack program. And the backpack program in all the Perry County schools, at the end of every single day, kids can go down to the lunchroom and they can get bags of food and bring those bags of food home. And for a lot of kids, that's the only food that they, that they or their family, that, that they're, that they're going to get. And they came, to, they came to churches and they said, hey, it's an, it's an awesome opportunity to help and to love on kids, but we need help funding it. And they asked churches if churches would adopt a school to try to help provide the backpack program. And I told them, I said, our church would love to try and sponsor Perry County Central. Perry Central. And so listen, if you're here and you say, what happens when I give? I can tell you one thing that happens when you give. If you will give, if you will give, you're going to help feed local kids. Amen. Amen? That don't have a way to get anywhere else. That's all they're getting. So, so I want to challenge us to give and to step up and to be a part of that. One thing that happened during I Love Hazard, truckloads of people came to Second Chance Mission a couple of weeks ago. And I loved how after that, people had never been there before and, and given that meal. And they were like, I didn't know we had this kind of need around here. I didn't know this happened. And one thing we said right there that night, Second Chance needs a bigger place. Right? Amen? Sarah's been praying and Amber's been praying. They've all been praying. Second chance needs a bigger place and we're praying for that. And here's why. Because God's just blessing it. God gave you guys the vision and God's using it. Man, thousands of people come there every single month and God is using it to meet needs and to provide needs and to bring light where there's darkness. So wherever there's darkness here in this community, we got to go, church. Amen? Wherever there's darkness, we got to go in this community. But listen to me, listen to me. Not just in this community, all over the world. I hear people say sometimes, there's so many needs around here, we don't need to go anywhere else. And, and there's some truth there. 
Because, right, there's more needs here than one church could ever meet, right? There's, there's more needs here than all the churches could ever meet. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, when the Spirit of God comes on you, you'll be empowered to be witnesses in Jerusalem, which is right where you are. And then that verse, Acts 1-8, it ends with, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus in Matthew 28 said, go to all the world. And so we want to go wherever there's darkness right here, but some, we want to go wherever there's darkness all over the world. I went to our elders a couple of months ago. We meet once a month on Sunday nights. And I went to our elders about two or three months ago and I said, you know what? I believe that in 2019, God would want us to see if we can get a group of people on an airplane, get out of the country, and to start to do some kind of international ministry. And I'm not about to make an announcement today, but I will say that in the next couple of weeks, we're going to make some kind of announcement about that. And, and, what we're, and, and what I'm trying to do is we're trying to make that opportunity for our church to go on an international mission trip beginning next year, Lord willing, every year, every other year. But we're trying to make that as cost-effective as possible, give you at least a year's notice and several ways to raise money so that any Anybody who wants to go can go. Anybody who wants to go can go. And so I just want to prep you this way. When we announce that here in the next couple of weeks and things like that, we're talking to some people, putting those details together. When we announce that, don't pray, God, should I go? Instead, pray this. God, why shouldn't I go? God, why shouldn't I go? And, and, and God might tell you it's not your time. But God may tell you it's your time. Here's the thing. We can go on and on and on and on and on. We can go on and on and on and on and on. And we can talk about how we want to change the world. We can talk about how we want to feed the hungry. We can talk about how we want to make sure that everybody has clothes on their back. We can, make sure, we can talk about how we want to make sure that everybody has a roof over their head. Look at me. Look at me. But if we're not different, we're not the church. Because we are not a humanitarian organization. Praise God for humanitarian organizations. Amen? Amen? But we are the church of Jesus Christ. Spirit of God lives in us. Men and women brought from the dead to life. We are his sons and daughters. He is alive in us and he has given us a mission. And here's what a lot of us do. We, we, we look at the world and we think the world needs to change. Somebody ought to do something. And we're over here just in our buildings and it feels so comfortable, so nice. And, and we yell at the world and we tell the world to straighten up and they can't because they're lost. Hello? They have Jesus. We don't want people to be moral. We want people to love Jesus. Hello? Amen? You gotta, you gotta think this stuff through, man. We don't, we don't simply want people to get their act straight. We want to see people meet Jesus. And so we're yelling at the world and the world doesn't have Jesus. And so here's what we do a lot of times. Well, Jesus says we're salt. Let's sprinkle a little bit on there. Pastors will do it. Some other people that we pay to do it. You know, pastors and, and people like that. Did you know that Jesus never called a pastor? Because they're all losers. I'm just joking. But he never did. Jesus never called a pastor. Normal, everyday fishermen. And they met Jesus. And they were changed forever. And thousands of years later, here we are. What if? Well, you know what? Somebody else will give. And you know what? Somebody else will go. Now, you know what? Somebody else will say something. It's still the same. But what if we all said, you know what? The Spirit lives in me. Jesus is changing my life. Jesus has called me to go. What if every single one of us stepped up and said, I will play my part, and we all go. All of a sudden, the world has changed. All of a sudden, the world is different. And all of a sudden, the way it used to look, it doesn't look that way anymore. Hello? Right? Everything we need to change the world is here. But the question is, will we say yes? Would you pray with me?
God, I don't know how this lands on us today. God, I pray we're just struck with this idea that we are called to be different and we're set free to be different. Father, praise you for the difference that you have made in our lives, God. God, none of us are perfect, but Jesus, those of us who have said yes to you, we can look at our lives and we can say, Jesus has made the difference. Jesus has changed it. I'm going in a new direction and it's only because of him. But God, if there's something in our lives, maybe we've started to make excuses for Maybe there's something in our lives that we never thought that you would even care about it. And all of a sudden, we're thinking about that today. And you're, you're speaking to us about it today. And your spirit is putting his finger on it today. And today you're saying, I want you to lay that down. Today you're saying, I want you to confess that. Today you're saying, I want, I want to begin to change you right there. We get to change that attitude. I want to begin to change the way that you talk. I want to begin to change the way that you think. I want to begin to change you in ways that you never even knew that I could. I want you to be different. God, I pray that whatever that would be, we wouldn't resist, we wouldn't fight, we wouldn't make excuses, we would just surrender. And say, God, have your way. In fact, if that's you today, if that's what God is doing in your life, and, and, and the Holy Spirit loves you enough, just He's revealing to you right now something you need to lay down. Jesus is telling you, I want to change you and deal with you about this. If that's you, just raise your hand so I can pray for you today. Just put your hand up in the air and say, Mark, God's showing me something right now. There's hands. There's another hand. Amen. Amen. Bless God. Anyone else? Several hands over here. Let's give that attitude to you. Just go ahead and do that right now. And, and go ahead and just name it. Lift it up to God. It might be so ugly you wish it wasn't true, but you know what it is? And you are loved in the middle of it. Just lift that up to Him. Say, God, I'm just going to begin to lift this up to you, to give this over to you, God. You might be here today, and the Spirit of God is just calling you to do something. He's calling you to do something at school. He's giving you a vision to start something in your neighborhood. He, he's, he's, he's put something on your heart, maybe somebody to talk to. But he's calling you to go and you're praying, God, give me the courage. If that's you today, that, that God has just put something in your heart for you to do and you're just praying for courage to take that step and to be obedient. Would you just lift your hands right now so we can pray for you today? Just put your hands high in the air. There's a hand right there. Several hands going up on this side over here. Praise God for that. Just go ahead and give that up to God. Say, God, give me the courage to do that. God, I want to follow you in that today. Father, I want to lay down fear. I want to lay down pride. Are you here today and God is telling you it's time to take responsibility for your spiritual growth? That Jesus really does want to begin to build a relationship with you? If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now and say, Mark, God is telling me it's time for me to take responsibility. i got to own this. I need to grow. Raise your hand right now. I need to grow spiritually. Hands are going up all over this room, and I love it. I love it. God, thank you for that. Thank you for just speaking to people that way. God, we got to grow. We can't stay here. We can't stay where we are, Jesus. You're calling us to go. And, and you might be here today, and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You have never said yes to him. And, and maybe you've even kind of been afraid of it. Mark, what will happen? What will happen if I say yes to Jesus and let him in my life? Here's what will happen. He'll make you different. Mark, what if I mess up? You will. And when you mess up, he'll love you. 
and there's still forgiveness and you can confess it to him and just keep following him. See, Jesus has paid it all, but you've got to receive what he's done for you. And and right now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. These aren't magic words or anything like that. But if you're here today and you know you want to be saved, you know you want Jesus in your life, but you don't know how to put words on it, I'm just going to say a prayer. I just invite you to pray this prayer with me today. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you for the first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, come and live inside of me and change me right now. In your name, amen. No one is looking around.